Welcome to SU Podcast in association with the Talbot Hotel in Carlo. Join us every week for deep dives into various topics featuring guests from all walks of life. Sit back, relax and happy listening. Hi guys, it's Alex, your Vice President for Welfare and Equality. Today we have Caroline West with us from Glow West Podcast, just to talk a little bit about the differences between healthy and unhealthy relationships. This workshop is going to explain what they are and what type of forms they take and a little bit about green and red flags during relationships as well. Stay tuned for Caroline to give you the best tips and tricks. Thanks very much. Hello, Carlo. Thank you so much for having me again. This is Dr. Caroline West, host of the Glow West podcast. You can also find me writing my weekly sex column over on evoke.ie and I'm this expert for The Elaine Show on Virgin Media One. So my whole life is basically writing and talking about sex, which you know, there's worse ways to spend your life. So I'm here today to chat to you about healthy relationships and different ways that we can interact with other people. So this will be split into two sections. The first one will look at what healthy relationships are and the second section will look at what an unhealthy relationship is. So these are really important and I suppose they're lessons I wish I had learned so that I wouldn't have wasted a lot of my 20s in very unhealthy toxic relationships. So it's kind of nice to be able to give advice and you know from learnt experience and more. So first thing when we look at what a healthy relationship is is how is our communication. So so many of our issues in relationships are a result of miscommunication. So if you think about how we come from different family backgrounds, different family dynamics, you know, you might be able to have a, a family where you communicate quite openly and honestly, but sometimes some families aren't like that. So when we bring that into an adult relationship, it can be kind of hard to figure out ways to communicate in ways that are healthy. Um, and you're you're trying to figure out your own communication issues and you're trying to deal with someone else's communication issues. So a lot of the time that might feel like a bit around butting heads and you're trying to figure out a, a communication style that works for the both of you. So we'll delve into that a little bit more. So, you know, when we're talking about miscommunications, this can lead to arguments. So how can we argue in a healthy way. So it is healthy to have arguments in relationships. It's just how we do them because your relationship isn't going to be absolutely perfect and stress-free and and conflict-free for the whole time. And in fact, maybe if it is, that might be a sign of you not being honest with each other and maybe kind of stuffing things down inside rather than airing grievances because we're human we're going to annoy the person that we're in a relationship with and that's only natural so it's just how you talk about I suppose so if you're arguing in a healthy way it's really you know our word choice is really important so it's about using I statements rather than you statements so this means instead of saying you never do the dishes you know you use different language because that automatically makes someone very defensive so it's saying I would like it if you did the dishes on Tuesday nights or whatever it happens to be. So, or I feel, or I think, or I think this is the way that, you know, things might be nice to do. Things like that rather than you do this, you don't do this. Because that, again, when people get very defensive, they don't generally hear the rest of the conversation. They just are automatically on edge and looking for ways to protect themselves. 
again you know saying things like always and never will will have that same effect of being very defensive so you always do this and it annoys me or you never do this so again trying to take those absolute statements out of things and focus just on the issue at hand can be a lot more productive rather than boxing people into a corner I suppose um, bringing up the past in arguments as well is usually really counterproductive because before you know it, instead of arguing about one thing, you're arguing about 16 different things and some of which might have happened a really long time ago. So then it, it just bubbles into an even bigger argument. So again, just try and focus on the topic at hand. And if there are, you know, still unresolved stuff that that's going on in your mind, maybe bring them up at a different time. And again, it may be picking that more neutral location as well to have that argument as well, or not even an argument, I suppose, just even a conversation about it. Then the other thing around arguments as well, there are two schools of thought on this one, and that is the idea of going to bed on an argument. So some people would say, like never go to bed, um, even if you're living with the person or not. You know, if you're having an argument, it's best to try and resolve it all so that you can go to bed peacefully. And then the other side says, you know what, sometimes um, a bit, bit of sleep and a bit of distance from the argument might make you wake up in the morning and think, OK, I'm not as angry about that anymore. And there's a bit of space um, that's been had. So, again, two schools of thought about that. I would probably lean on like... My, my inner child self says like to solve it before going to bed because sometimes if I'm going to bed upset means I have a bad night's sleep and I feel kind of grumpy the next morning but I do also understand my rational brain is you know when you walk away from something for a little while you have a bit more space from it so it can be a little bit calmer when you come to discuss it again. And then interrupting as well so that really doesn't help so you know let the person say what they have to say take a deep breath don't try not to take it super personally and trying to stay calm and then respond to them as well so you know that really helps the person feel heard and that you're actually listening to them which you know half of our arguments are are all about like trying to make ourselves heard and sometimes we don't feel heard by the other person and then that adds to that sense of frustration and then prolongs things around the arguments as well. So another part of a healthy relationship is learning how to communicate sexually because a lot of relationships are about sex. So again, communicating your consent is really important and, you know, for sexual contact and activities. So you're looking at things like, hey, I really like doing this, like, let's try this. Or, you know, I like it when you touch me like this. Or can you try this? Um, you know, whatever this happens to be in your weird and wonderful sex life. Um, or even if you're struggling to communicate, maybe, you know, with words, maybe you can show the person so you can send them a clip of something you like and say, hey, let's try this. Or, you know, say maybe if you want to try some massage, you can find some links and say, hey, I really want to try this like tantric massage. Have a look at it, see what you think. And that can help open the conversation up a little bit more as well. So equally as important as communicating yes around sex is also communicating your no. So some ways to say no to something that you don't want to do is some words such as I'm not feeling this. Can we stop? I've changed my mind. I don't want to. Or also just no, which is a complete sentence and that you don't need to explain that. So just as important as it is to communicate yeses, it's also important to communicate noes. So both are, are equally important as well. 
communicating by sending each other porn and saying I want to do this again there's different schools of thought on this to say some people think that's really hot and some people might think oh I I didn't think that was a thing like yeah absolutely let's try this and then other people might think oh they really want to do this and I'm not flexible enough to do that or is this the kind of content that they prefer and they're, they're not really interested in me? And all of that really is not necessarily about the porn. That's about our own self-image and our own um, relationships as well. So again, that's where it comes up. And, uh, you know, we need to communicate with each other in an honest way and say, you know, I saw this. Um, I want to try it with you and reassuring the person that, you know, you are being interested in them. So there's a lot of components to a healthy relationship And it sounds a lot if you're, you know, you're trying to establish your relationship and you're going, okay, did they tick this box? Do they tick this box? But a lot of this should come kind of naturally to ourselves. And if it doesn't, then this is where we need to look at is why is this a problem and what's actually going on in the relationship? So one of the most obvious healthy relationship components would be trust so that you trust the person is being honest with you and, you know, you can calling them in a crisis if you've stated that you're having an exclusive relationship and you're not um, having sex with anyone else that you trust them enough to stick to their word um, you also trust that they will keep you safe that they you know respect your privacy and your boundaries and all of those different things so again sometimes when trust is broken it can be very hard to get back because it is one of those building blocks of a relationship and will look different for some people as well being honest is another one so again if you feel like you can't tell your partner the truth about something you need to look at why that is and you know is that a sign that maybe it's not as healthy a relationship as you think because honesty really is one of the key um, building blocks of the relationship and you know there's something like little white lies sometimes aren't that big a deal but you know being honest about where you where you're going or how you feel about the relationship or what you want sexually all those things are really important and a good sign that the relationship is healthy another huge one is being comfortable being yourself so sometimes you know when we're starting dating we might feel like we have to be on our our best selves and you know we have to present this image of ourselves where we're all amazing and you know we have no nothing wrong with us whatsoever and then slowly you know the the real us kind of starts coming out and where it goes oh actually you know I like slapping around in my pajamas and not actually achieving anything or whatever happens to be um that's just normal human relationships and interactions we can't be 100% all the time so but if you're not feeling that you can be comfortable around someone again that that that's a sign that the relationship needs to be looked at but if you can sit there slobbing out in your pajamas together or nerding out over whatever or whatever happens to be once you're being comfortable and you don't feel that you need to put on an act that's a really good sign of a healthy relationship because that relieves a lot of stress and anxiety. So it can be very stressful to maintain an act all the time and, and kind of pretend to be someone somebody that you're not, or maybe, you know, not lies as such, but like building up a persona that isn't really yours or, you know, pretending that you're you're someone else, you know, that that's kind of exhausting. So you know, it's not very authentic either. So once you feel like going, hey, you know, this is a safe enough relationship to be safe and happy and authentic, then that's a really good sign of a good relationship. 
Another one is going at a pace that feels right for you. And again, relationships will move in different ways. But if you're feeling pressured to say move in with someone or to sleep with someone for the first time or to go on a holiday with someone or whatever it happens to be, if you feel that kind of pressure, again, that's where you need to kind of take a deep breath and look at the relationship again. So you can either agree the pace that feels right for yourself and your partner or just see how it goes. But again, once you're communicating about that and some of us will want to move in super quick and some of us will, you know, take years to get to that point. It doesn't matter. It's whatever feels right to you and it's going to reflect you know, in different ways for different people. And that's okay once it's, it's right for you and you're able to communicate that with your partner. Another huge sign of a healthy relationship is independence. So, you know, making your partner your all is kind of a normal part of the early days of a relationship. You know, the first couple of weeks or couple of months when you're just kind of obsessed with this person and you know, you want to spend every wake moment together, whether it's just hanging out with them or having sex with them or whatever happens to be. But then that stage kind of dies off a little bit and, and things calm down a little bit more. So having your own hobbies, your own friendship groups, your own activities, you know, all those kind of things are really, really important to maintain your sense of identity and your sense of independence, but also having space to have your alone time. So some people really, really need a lot of alone time just to kind of debrief from the world or, you know, to process everything or just shut out some of the noise of the world sometimes, or else, you know, maybe you just want to slob about playing video games in your pajamas all day and that's fine. So if you have the space to do all that and and to maintain your independent life, then that's super healthy. That's really, really important for a relationship because if you, you know, get, get so wrapped up in your partner and then you neglect all your friend groups, you neglect your hobbies, you neglect your life, you know, maybe if that relationship broke up, then you might be kind of lost and because you've pushed everything else away. Um, so it's nice also, you know, to have hobbies and activities so that you can come back to the relationship and say, hey, this is what I did today, rather than spending every waking moment together and probably running out of things to talk about. So, you know, it's important to have just have that alone time and, and being able to come together to share your news is, is really important. So what we think of in relationships, sometimes you might have heard the expression red flags, and we'll discuss this in the second half of the podcast, because that's really important. But what's also really important is to look at the idea of green flags. So some of you may have heard of this and some may not, but you know, green flags, the very opposite of red flags, they're healthy signs that a relationship is really good and they're nice little markers of, oh, this is, you know, this is a good relationship. So some of them we've outlined already, the idea of um, being independent, but boundaries are another one as well. So if you set a boundary and say, hey, you know, I don't want to be contacted on a Thursday because that's, that's my girl's night and, you know, they respect that. Absolutely. That also applies to um, sexual boundaries as well or just personal boundaries about how you want to spend your time. That's really important. So if they're breaching those boundaries, that tips from a green flag into a very strong red flag. So something to keep an eye on. Another huge um, green flag is if someone practices their own self-care. So if they look after themselves and they're looking to, you know, constantly better themselves as opposed to relying on you to, to 
I suppose, be a therapist for them or to, you know, be a surrogate parent for them. That's, you know, that's a little bit of a red flag as well. So we want someone who has, you know, is mature enough, I suppose, and cares enough about themselves to look after themselves and to realise that, you know, potential partners aren't therapists. You know, you pay a therapist for that. So again, you know, they look after themselves that way. That's really important. Um, being self-reflective is a really good relationship red flag because you know they can reflect on their behavior so they can maybe might have an argument and they might come back and say Do you know what actually I said some really bad things there I'm really sorry I was just feeling like I wasn't being heard or I was just hangry or whatever happens to be so if they have that ability to reflect on their own behavior that's a really 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 good sign as well and then by communication as well, like we've said earlier, it's really important to communicate well. So if they can communicate openly, that's a really good sign, you know, and, and being open about emotions and feelings and experiences rather than kind of keeping it all bottled up inside, because that kind of means when you bottle stuff up inside, it doesn't really get dealt with and it's going to come out in different ways. So things that are bottled up have a habit of leaking out when you least expect it sometimes, Um and so that, that's really important to be able to communicate openly. And that's very hard for a lot of people, of course. But, you know, it's it, the idea is that you're trying and you're learning. And again, you're trying to practice that self-care and you're trying to be self-reflective and self-sufficient. And that's really important. A huge green flag that I would think was really important is vulnerability. And that's the idea, you know, that you can be yourself, you can be open because you know sometimes relationships are hard and we might get scarred by previous relationships and we might have a bit of a wall up around ourselves to try and protect ourselves but while that wall would protect ourselves it just means that no one else no love or light or happiness gets in so the the wall might keep out all the bad stuff but also keeps out all the good stuff as well and you know relationships are hard and, and we will get hurt because you know humans aren't perfect and we deal with people who are imperfect but again being able to be vulnerable and, and open up to someone is a really important sign of a healthy relationship so you know if, if someone is constantly you know putting that wall up around themselves it just means they're not dealing well with their emotions and that that's really problematic in a relationship further down the line as well because that will come out that they're not just dealing with previous emotions and previous experiences but they'll add in the current emotions and experiences to that as well and then of course another one is empathy as well so empathy means that you're able to relate to someone else and try and feel you know that you can maybe try and help them get out of their situation like it's a, it's basically kindness and compassion and they're really important um green flags to have so that you want you know someone who cares enough about being a good human being and looks after other people rather than just themselves as well so next up in that as well so we want uh, also we want someone if you know if we're getting into a relationship with someone someone who's able to apologize when they're wrong so we'll all mess up. This is human nature and we'll mess up sometimes more than others and we might go through a phase where it feels like we can't do anything right because we're messing things up and that's absolutely normal as well. But the green flag comes there if someone is able to apologise, you know, and, and maybe reflect on that because if they can't apologise, that might mean they mightn't grow and they might repeat that behaviour again. So an apology is best accompanied by changed behavior as well so it's recognizing hey you know i'm sorry i messed up there i know i hurt you and i'm gonna 
try my best not to do that again. So it's things like that that are really important. And any apologies that have to be forced out of someone that might not be green flag, that might be on the a little bit on the red flag side of things. Because if someone cares about you, they shouldn't want to hurt you. And and if they do hurt you, they should feel that, you know, oh, this is awful. I've hurt someone. I need to apologize and I need to make things better. So that's really, really important. Things like compliments are a really good red flag as well, or green flag. So, you know, you want your partner to be your cheerleader, you know, to support you and, and to be there for you when, when the big moments in life happen or to console you when, you know, things don't go the way that you planned. So you want someone who is complimenting you instead of, you know, criticizing you or putting you down, things like that. Again, you know, putting you down in, in public or in private is something that is a red flag as well. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on as well. Um, another green flag then again it's just someone who listens to you as well you know that like you feel oh god I've had a crap day I just want to either vent or I want advice so you know if they listen to you in that and think okay I'm just gonna listen to you and that's fine or else give you advice if that's what you want but knowing that you know that person is actually just gonna listen to you is really important and then another green red f- green flag. So we'll kind of wrap wrap up the green flag part of things because but there's just so many of them. And, you know, it's really important to to know them because, you know, relationships are complicated. So we need to look at, you know, well, what's a good one and what's a bad one. So a massive um, green flag would be the idea of compromise. So if the person compromises with you, that's really, really important, you know, so that, you know, if you're both going to come to the relationship with different values, different ideas of what you want to do in your life, different ideas of what relationships are, different ideas of, you know, what goes on, who does the housework, the, things like that, you know. Um, so compromising is really good. So sometimes you might not want to do something, but you know that that's going to make your partner happy. So therefore, compromising is a really important part of that. And then being, being able to take constructive feedback as well again we might know we're doing something that might be uncomfortable for our partner or you know it might be language that we do uh, use that might be different actions that we have but if someone speaks up and say hey you know what like I really need you to you know stop doing that it makes me feel really really uncomfortable so if they take that on board and they listen and and you know they don't ridicule you for it they're, they're not defensive that's again a really good sign of a really healthy relationship as well um and like even little things like you know doing something because they know that it'll make you smile that's a really nice thing whether that's leaving you a little note in your lunch or something like that or you know cooking you a special meal you know like if say if they know you've had a bad day They'll, they'll cook you your favorite meal things like that or you know watching programs with you that they might necessarily want to watch but they know that it makes you happy so things like that are really important because they're all about compromise and that's where healthy relationships grow and grow and grow um of course things like practical side of things like housework is really important um not, not quite as glamorous as some things but again if one person is being left to do all the housework then that person's gonna feel pretty resentful of that so you know making sure that tasks and stuff are very equally divided so again feeling I suppose the overall red flag should be your feeling so our brain can tell us one thing but our bodies tell us another thing so if you're generally feeling safe and secure with your partner that's a sign of a really healthy relationship so if you feel 
a sense of peace in yourself, whether that's, you know, that gut feeling or else it's a conscious feeling of, of going, you know what, this is a person that I feel really comfortable around and I feel like they listen to me. I feel like they reassure me and they don't dismiss any feelings or concerns that I have. That's a really, really good feeling. So, you know, if you have that tight, anxious feeling in your stomach, maybe when you're around them, that's something that we need to look at in the second part of this in the unhealthy relationships as well. So we'll wrap up there and for healthy relationships. And then the second section, we're going to come back and talk about the converse, which is unhealthy relationships. And I will see you shortly. And now we're just going to have a quick look at our sponsors. Thank you very much for supporting us. Apache Pizza Carlo is delighted to be in association with IT Carlo Students Union. We are open from 1 to 11, seven days a week. Call in or have us deliver. Make your online classes that bit easier with our student deal. A delicious nine inch pizza, chips and a drink from only 4 99 You can find us in the heart of Carlo Town, straight across in the fountain. You can also order from us from on our app or website, www.apache.ie. Apache Pizza, happy day. Carlo Cabs are excited to announce Carlo's very own taxi app. Just three taps and we're there. There is no journey too short or too long for Carlo's largest and most reliable cab service. You can find us by looking for the T on the back, calling 059-914000 or by downloading our app from the App Store. We guarantee a service that's fast, safe and reliable 24-7. Carlo Cabs, we're ready when you are. We asked Carlo IT students where is the best place to have the crack after college. Here's what they have to say. Oh, we love going down to Toys because the student deals are amazing. Well, honestly, I spend 90% of my time in Toys. Yeah, man, I mean, Toys is really the spot. Me and my boys always go there after school. Well, there you have it. Get on down to Tully's Tully Street, Carlo. Why not come down and try our great student meal deals? Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Tully's, Carlo's number one spot for students. My name is Emma and I'm Sales and Marketing Manager for the Talbot Hotel in Carlow. We are delighted to announce that we have partnered with IT Carlow Student Union this year to offer students a rate of €45 for one room night or €85 for two room nights. The deal is available to all students needing accommodation over the academic year 2020-2021. It is valid with a student ID card and then to book it you simply phone 059-915-3000 or email us on reservations at talbothotelcarlow.ie. Hello everyone, Sean Swan, Swan's Electrical Expert Carlo here. As Carlo's largest electrical store, we're delighted to be associated with IT Carlo Students Union. We stock the full range of Apple products including phones, plus a range of Samsung tablets, watches and phones. Not to forget all your Fitbit and tracking devices, JBL speakers and headphones, laptops, PCs, gaming products and monitors at really good prices. Televisions have to be seen to be believed. So for all your electrical requirements, call to Swan's Electrical Superstore Strawhall Carlo and we look forward to seeing you. Thanks very much to our sponsors and back to Caroline for more tips and tricks. Okay, so we are here for round two of the Healthy Relationships Workshop. And as usual, I would normally be down there in person. And unfortunately, this is the way we are at the moment. But again, you can find me online. My Instagram and Twitter are Glow West Podcast 
or my Instagram for my personal one is Dr. Caroline West. You can drop me a line there if you have any questions about any of the topics that are raised in these lectures, workshops, podcasts, whatever we're calling them now. They're all kind of blending all into one. So let's dive into the issue of unhealthy relationships. So in the previous section, we looked at green flags and, and, you know, all the good things that our partners can do. But let's look at it when it goes a little bit more pear-shaped. So we talked a little bit about the idea of being comfortable with your partner and being, you know, sexually happy with your partner, because that's a big part of a lot of people's relationships. We also need to look at the idea of performative sexuality. So this is like really, really common. And sometimes it can be very gendered. You know, um, a lot of people who are women would feel that maybe like performative sexuality is something that applies to them a little bit more, but it can apply to absolutely everyone. So what this is, is not necessarily just faking things like faking orgasms, but faking your overall sexual experience. So this means performative receiving. So this means you're putting on an act and you're being more concerned with things like how you look or their pleasure rather than being present in your own pleasure and, you know, having an authentic experience. So again, it's a little bit kind of like acting things out and you know, the reasons for this come down to many things, it, you know, it might be feeling safe in the sexual encounter, it might be feeling, you know, worry about stigma or judgment, you know, especially if, if you're a woman, because, you know, s- historically, the societal pressure has been, you know, on shaming women who dared to explore their sexual pleasure, um, or, you know, Whatever, whatever your intersection has to be like if you had a disability there is a lot of you know literature around disabled people not having sex lives and um you know so how dare they trying to explore this and you know we looked at this on a recent episode of the podcast it was um robin wilson wilson bd and she was saying a lot of doctors just assumed that disabled people don't have sex lives so again you know it can be really hard to find our authentic selves when it comes to sex and our, and our sex lives again. So again, I suppose this comes down to sex education as well as and realizing you don't need to fake things like orgasms or any kind of sexual pleasure. Sex doesn't have to end in an orgasm. So if whatever they're doing isn't working or you're just not in the mood or you just you don't need an orgasm to have a good time or you just you can't be bothered, whatever happens to be, just talk to your partner and, and, you know, let them know it's not necessarily anything personal that they're doing. It might just be, well, it could be, it could be their technique or, you know, how, how they're going about things. But it also might just be like, you just can't be bothered, you know, different if you're a woman and, um, or someone who menstruates, you know, like your cycle different times of the month might influence, you know, your ability to, maybe have orgasms or you know to kind of enjoy the sex life that you would normally have things like that so you know we want to get away from performative sexuality and move into like being authentic and happy so if the person that you're having sex with is either pressurizing you or making you feel like you can't say actually can we just stop that's a massive sign of an unhealthy relationship so you should have the right to stop sex at any time you should be able to feel like saying, actually, your technique isn't working. Let's try something else. Or, oh, I actually don't need an orgasm. So whatever happens to be for yourself, if you're feeling like you can't communicate in a safe and open way with your partner, that might not necessarily be considered a healthy relationship. And what we also need to look at when it comes to unhealthy relationships as well is the idea of trauma bonding. 
And this is a lot more common than we think. So what trauma bonding is, is when, you know, your relationship seems to have more ups and downs than a roller coaster and you feel absolutely amazing when when everything's great and when everything's good. But then when it's down, you might feel like, God, it's like the end of the world and you feel absolutely heartbroken. So these are these really volatile relationships, but it's like we almost get a little bit addicted almost to the highs because the highs are often really really good but the lows are just devastating as well but so we kind of keep coming back because again trauma can bond each other so again we'll go through what that actually means a little bit so and the signs of you know an unhealthy relationship because of trauma bonding so we talked a little bit about boundaries and how boundaries should be respected but in trauma bonded relationships our boundaries are often broken you're so overwhelmed it, it almost doesn't feel shocking so if it was in a normal healthy relationship and someone breached one of your boundaries you might have that space and head space to talk about it or to notice it and go hey you know this isn't okay but in, in a relationship where there's a lot of trauma you can often feel very overwhelmed so it doesn't feel very shocking and it doesn't feel you know oh I've too much to deal with because you're constantly trying to figure out what's going on so you feel very unstable and not able to notice a lot of boundaries being broken because it's such a common occurrence um another sign of this kind of relationship is that you feel that you can change the person and maybe make excuses for them that oh they had trauma before in their past or they had a bad childhood or they had negative experiences and you can either save them or rescue them or change them or that you know that they're going to change so again that's not really a healthy relationship because you know we shouldn't need to feel that we can change or save our partner they should be an independent functioning person by themselves so often in this kind of relationship your own needs get sacrificed for the relationship so which really means for their needs because it can be very one directional as well so you wait in a healthy relationship both par- partners or however many people are in the relationship both everyone's needs are met and they're met without any resentment or you know any kind of negative approaches as well they're just met because you're in a relationship with someone that you care about and you want them to be happy so in this kind of one one way trauma bonded relationship your own needs just get absolutely trampled over and you know you're giving up yourself for this relationship and that's that's not healthy so what else happens in this is like there's often a cycle of constant breaking up and getting back together so you know when you get back together everything feels great and you're kind of rejuvenated but then it kind of you know slips back into old patterns and the new promises get broken and then again another breakup happens and then the cycle continues as well. So sometimes at that the start of these relationships and just after you get back together, there's an act called love bombing. And for those of you who don't know what that is, it's when someone is excessive in, in how they're showing love. So remember we talked earlier about compliments, but this is compliments on a whole different level. So it's constant, you know, showing you affection, almost being like super clingy. You know, they, they've made you the center of their world for it's generally a short period of time, a couple of weeks or a couple of months, um, you know, and they'll constantly be texting you and telling you they love you or they can't live without you. And they'll, they'll, I suppose it'll give you so much of an endorphin high. You're like, wow, this is great. You know, like this person really, really loves me and they'll do absolutely everything for you and they'll be the perfect partner. But 
that's not really perfect because that's not normal and you know you shouldn't be the center of someone's world like that it should be you know like we said they have their world you have your world and then you meet in the middle as well so it's not necessarily um a normal healthy way it's actually a tactic of manipulative people who you know use that to strip down your defenses and you might think oh this person's amazing and you know it might I suppose facilitate you to overlook some of the red flags that you might see if this was starting out to be a normal relationship as well and then the love bombing will kind of stop and then you might experience that breakup you might start feeling devalued and then if you break up and then you get back together, the love bombing starts again. So you're constantly on this uneven keel. You're not stable in this relationship because it's either super amazing and, and this person is over the top and loved you or else they're neglecting you. They're not talking to you. They're blocking you. They're giving you the silent treatment, all these kind of things. So again, none of that is healthy. We need to be in the middle and feeling safe and stable. And in these kind of relationships, that's not the case. So um, again you're feeling that sense of addiction to the relationship you know it's very dramatic as you can't see a future without them even though your gut is telling you that I'm being hurt here and you know this isn't normal or healthy but you know you might think well I've invested so much time into this relationship and it's oh, it's just a hard patch and so you find yourself rationalizing everything all the time and oh they're only like that because they had a bad childhood and things like that but that's not up to you to fix that that's up to that person so this phenomenon isn't helped by stereotypes and media depictions of what love actually is so sometimes love is portrayed as this wild passionate love and it, it can be but also time it's not really a lot of the time. So wild, passionate love kind of implies, you know, there's there's whirlwinds and roller coasters and it, it's wild, it's uncontrollable. Most love is kind of quite gentle and soft and, you know, it's, it's someone that you know is going to stand up for you, not, you know, oh, are they going to come to my special event because we had yet another breakup last week or, you know, that, that sense of are we on are we off what's going on do they like me do I like them I don't know so love isn't actually really like that it's not constant um breakups and that that cycle of like hurt and then being overvalued and then undervalued and that sense of trauma as well so we need to be careful about the kind of messages that we take in and you know sometimes we might see like images on Instagram sometimes about oh well passionate love and if it's not crazy don't call me or if it's you know if you're not breaking up and slicing someone's clothes up and then getting back to next week you know none of that is healthy at all so one of the other aspects um we need to talk about when it comes to these kind of relationships is the idea of nagging and some of you might know what this is but maybe you might not have heard the word for it so Negging is an act of emotional manipulation. So that's where the person makes deliberate backhanded compliments or, you know, otherwise flirtatious remarks to maybe another person in front of you. So the, the whole goal is to undermine your confidence. So they might say, oh, you're very pretty for a girl from wherever. Or, oh, you know, most people who do that do it this way, but you don't. Or, oh, you're very smart for a person like so-and-so, X, Y, Z. So, you know, because again, it happens to all genders and sexualities as well. So it, it's kind of putting you down, but in a very more subtle way. So it might seem to some like a compliment at the time. But again, if, if something is like you're pretty 
for uh, whatever, that's not a compliment. If it was just you're pretty, that's a compliment. So these kind of backhanded compliments are designed to keep you off center and, and feeling kind of uneasy and almost feeling like, you know, you need to show them that, hey, I, I'm just pretty or whatever happens to be. And, and it's so it's it's emotional manipulation, but it's also linked to sexual coercion. Because if someone is manipulating you and making you feel like, oh, I have to prove to this person that I'm so-and-so. And if you're talking in a dating context, there's often sex involved. So again, this isn't a situation where someone can give informed consent because they don't know what they're consenting to necessarily if this person is constantly keeping them on this unstable platform because of the emotional manipulation. So again, it's just absolutely not a very healthy practice. So that links into the idea of emotional abuse. And this is a lot more common than we think. Um, but sometimes it's a little bit more difficult to identify because it can be a bit more subtle. Whereas things like physical abuse can obviously be very um, visual. You know, hey, that person hit me there and there's a bruise there. But sometimes emotional abuse can be kind of hard because it can be confusing and you mightn't realize what's happened. And it might just be so overwhelming that it's hard to pick out exact examples or, you know, pinpoint exact moments in the relationship when either it started or you know, specific events as well. So people can find it very confusing sometimes. So some examples of emotional abuse can be blaming you for absolutely everything. So things that aren't even your fault, but you you still get blamed for um, withholding affection or communication. So either blocking you or refusing to speak to you after an argument for days and days, um, despite knowing that, that that might be a very upsetting thing for you. Um, you know, if you've cooked the dinner wrong or whatever, um, and not that that's that's not a thing either, because we can all burn food and all the rest, but you know, punishing you, I suppose, by withholding affection or hugging you or not talking to you because you burnt the dinner, things like this, um, constantly criticizing you as well is a massive part of this. So it's just putting you down and stripping away your self esteem and making you feel that you're not worthy of either love or affection and this is a tactic designed to keep you in the relationship because if you're not feeling good about yourself and if you're constantly told nobody else will want you you may start believing that so therefore you're more likely to stay in the relationship as well and then not taking any responsibility for your for their actions as well and you know diverting all those conversations back to your actions so it's only ever focusing on the things that you've done whether they're right or wrong or whatever but not you know looking at themselves that way so that's it's kind of insidious form of, of abuse where it can be hard to pinpoint it and we'll discuss that further a little bit because it's also linked to coercive control so we'll look at that in a little bit um let's have a look at physical abuse so that's the most obvious form of abuse so anything that can leave marks or bruises but importantly there doesn't have to be marks or bruises for things to count as physical abuse. So some examples of this would be um, pushing or shoving, biting, hitting, hair pulling, slapping, pinching, basically anything that causes you physical pain or even threats to cause you physical pain is really important as well. So you don't need to have um, medical treatment for the injury for it to be considered to be abuse. So anything that physically harms you is physical abuse. So, you know, this can range in, in severity, of course, and that doesn't mean that if it's not severe, that it's not physical abuse. It absolutely is. So any kind of that physical aggression is absolutely not acceptable in a relationship, like the same way any other form of abuse is not acceptable in a relationship as well. So, you know, this is one that 
maybe a lot more dangerous on a physical level than some of the others. But again, it's wrapped up in emotional abuse as well. Financial abuse is a really important aspect of abuse to really consider as well. And sometimes, again, we don't see this as much as we might see physical abuse. And this is things such as, you know, the media images of abuse that we see um, often focus on physical abuse. But abuse takes so many different forms. So when it comes to physical abuse, this means not letting you have access to your own money and monitoring what you're spending it on, refusing to work so that you have to support them manipulating you into spending your money on them, putting all of your assets in their name only, so that leaves you without any safety or security, refusing to pay bills, ruining your credit score and running up debt in your name, or threatening to report you to social welfare officers if you're in receipt of any kind of social welfare payment. So things like that. So, you know, again, it can be a little harder to spot, but, you know, trying to keep a diary on things and, and, you know, talking about your bills should be a really healthy part of a relationship you know and talking when is this bill due to go out how are we going to pay this are you going to set up a joint account to, to pay it things like that so again something to to be aware of so coercive control is another form and it's often overlaps a lot with a lot of emotional abuse so this is things such as isolating you from your family and friends gaslighting you and we'll discuss that in a minute as well calling you names or putting you down monitoring your diet or your body or your activity levels accusing you of cheating or lying criticizing you threatening you making you feel guilty telling you what you can do and what you can't do patronizing you belittling your accomplishments or making you feel small or pushing your buttons on purpose so they can turn around and say look look how crazy they are when they know that they have uh, like sowed the seeds for whatever has happened as well so this is now thankfully an offense in Ireland as well due to recent legislation so you know this is considered to be abuse because it is abuse um but it's nice to know that there is legal actions to look at these things and then of course we also have sexual abuse So this means sex that you do not consent to, you feel pressure to engage in or you engage in out of fear, making you have sex with someone else, making you have sex for money when you don't want to uh, or being forced to pose for photos or videos that you do not want to appear in. And sharing of these images or videos is also sexual violence because sexual violence is a spectrum and is not just penetration. So if you are sharing someone's nudes or whatever happens to be without their consent, that is a form of sexual violence and you are a sexual violence perpetrator if you're sharing someone's intimate images without their consent or knowledge. So that's really important to take into account as well. And then we also have digital abuse. So this is um, essentially using technology to facilitate ab- abuse so this means sending threatening messages via text email or social media sharing your intimate me- Im- intimate images on social media pretending to be you from false profiles using your image to set up dating profiles or controlling your access to social media or your phone demanding to know your passwords using your phone or social media to track your location and demanding to look through your phone. So in, in this case, it's really important to take any screenshots of any abusive messages or any, any of the things I've just named in case that you need to bring them to court as well. So they're all really, really important. 
So the options you have for dealing with some of them is there's a lot of um, services that can support you if you were going to court. There is women's aid and men's aid and then various refugees around the country as well. So they will all have different helpline numbers as well. But you can go to court and you can get three different types of order. So the first one is protection order. So this means essentially that the person that is named in the order cannot harass you or abuse you in any way. So this is kind of like a temporary order until you get a safety order, which extends this out. Sometimes it can be anywhere up to five years. So it could be six months, it can be three years, it can be five years. It all depends um, on what the situation is. And then the, the more extensive order is a barring order. And this means that the person has to leave the home that is shared so that's quite a serious one and that one's a little bit more difficult to get but you know it's not unheard of to get those cases so again if, if you're in a situation where you do need to go to court contact your local refuge or in the case of men in men's aid and they have people that can support you to go to court and support you through that process so I said we were going to talk about gaslighting so this is, again, that really insidious kind of hard to pin down action. So this is things such as like denying what's happened or denying that they've done something, calling you crazy for thinking that, that you have. So if, if they, it comes from an old film in like, I think it's the 1940s where the, the man and the relationship keeps moving things around the house or leaving lights on or making noises and the wife is saying you're doing that and he's like no I'm not you're crazy you're making this up you're seeing things so it's again it's the purpose of it is to make you doubt your memories and to doubt your recollection of events so that makes you doubt yourself and go well did I think of that you know and it makes you uncertain and therefore allows them to continue abusing you as well so this also involves telling your social circle that you you lie or you make things up or you have a bad memory and that's essentially laying the groundwork for if you were to come to them and say, hey, so-and-so is doing this. And they might go, well, you know, you have a history of making things up or, or things like that. So it's to unstable, make you, I suppose, unstable um, from like your social circle perspective so that you're less likely to leave and you're less likely to find support as well. So it makes you doubt your reality and makes you feel like you're never right. So these things, if you, but your gut, tells you this sometimes so if you're feeling like oh you know I know that's the case you know sometimes maybe writing things down can kind of help if you or if you see any witnesses or things like that because again if you were to go to court for for any of these things writing things down and having some kind of evidence can help your case as well but even in the case of gaslighting just writing things down and noting you know times and dates and what actually happened can help you go no like this person is lying about this this is what happened so that's really important so the red flags, I suppose, just to finish up on this one, are a lot of the opposite side of what we talked about in the healthy relationship. So these are things such as being hyper-focused on the relationship. So remember we said earlier about independence is really good. So in this case, the independence isn't there. Um, breaching boundaries, really kind of putting you down, criticizing you, pressurizing you for sex, um, being really, you know, unempathetic, being manipulative is is they're all massive signs of red flags and things such as oversharing their personal details so you mightn't think that that's a really you know because it's it doesn't seem to be a very harmful thing but again that's that's kind of shown that they don't really have a really good sense of boundaries if they're sharing absolutely everything that's ever happened to them you know in your first one or two dates these kind of things but so you know that's something to definitely keep an eye out for so again feeling like 
if you're constantly feeling like you have to question your relationship of like are you on good terms are you broken up like what's going on or you're trying to collect proof of what happened or you know trying to make yourself think that did happen I'm absolutely right in that those kind of things so again that that sense of being unstable and remember we looked at the green flags of feeling safe and stable that's really important there as well and again you know feeling like you can't trust them and not being there for you when you need to be or you know if they don't want to spend any time with your family or friends or they put you down in front of other people they're all, all huge red flags that we need to be concerned with so if any of the issues that I've touched on today have really affected you, you know, there is help out there, regardless of your gender. Like I said, there's men's aid, there's women's aid, and they can point you to various services. It's not just refuge service. You can have help in the community or through the legal system, things like that. So again, just kind of keep an eye on, on these flags. And if you're ever feeling like, you know, if your gut is telling you there's something kind of wrong here, Pay attention to your gut, you know, and, and look up what, what you're feeling and do some research on what's going on because you don't have to stay in, in any relationship that makes you feel bad. Um, you don't have to have any contact with someone who makes you feel bad or being abused and it does get better. And sometimes when we're in abusive relationships, we might find the next one can be abusive as well because we haven't dealt with some of the, the trauma and there are people out there who are very good at a point of finding you know traumatized people and stuff but it absolutely does get better and there are healthy relationships out there it just takes time and a bit of work and a bit of therapy to kind of get over some of the experiences that we've had but there is hope and there is um help out there available for you so again you know drop me a dm it's it's been lovely chatting away to you and hopefully i can do that in person really soon my dms are glow west podcast on instagram and twitter or you can drop me an email, it's hello, it's carolinewest at gmail.com. And my website is www.iamcarolinewest.com. So you can reach me on any of those platforms and I'll happily chat to you or point you in the right direction if that's where, you, you know, what, what you need. So thank you so much for, for listening in. I hope that's really helpful and I hope you have very, very lovely, wonderful, loving, kind relationships going forward. Bye. Thanks very much for listening, guys. I'm afraid that's all we have time for, but a huge thank you to Caroline um, on giving us a couple of different tips and tricks on healthy and unhealthy relationships. If you really enjoyed that, um, you should check out our, another, our other podcasts. So that's just Let's Talk About Porn, and that's here on Spotify as well. Thanks again, Caroline, and thanks to you all for listening. <laughs>